All right, my Cobra week. I uh, I don't think I have anything to talk about off the top. No news or announcements. So let's dive right into my conversation with Ryan Baroff of the Golflandia. All right, Ryan Baroff is here of the Golflandia podcast, one of my all-time favorites. I was just telling him off air. I need you guys to come back soon, man. Are you guys picking it back up in January or just kind of TBD for the moment? It's it's probably going to be January. Matt has, he's become the showdown king and <laughs> the NHL king and the king of everything else. But I do expect we'll be back in January. I have a funny Wiley story for you. Cool, let's hear it. All right. Okay, so you guys did a pod in like August, I think it was. Can't remember the name of the tournament. I, I want to say it was like the Wyndham or the BMW or or Northern Trust. It was some tournament in August, and he did this rant. This wasn't the segment that you were on, so I don't even know if you've heard this. I don't know if you listen, even listen back because it wasn't That's the segment. Question. It was it wasn't the segment that you've done. But anyway, he does this rant. I can't remember whether it was to open or close the podcast, but he did this rant on like the oversaturation of golf DFS content in the industry. Yep. And I thought it was fucking poetic. I thought it was like, I agreed with so many of the things that he was saying. And I'll do this sometimes when I, when I like a podcast or something like that, I'll, I'll, I'll DM them and just be like, that was, that was some really good stuff, man. So anyway, he goes on this rant. I thought it was really insightful. I really enjoyed it. It was, it was like this total like get off my lawn. I thought it was hilarious. And I actually agreed with a lot of the things he was saying as well. So I DM'd him and we've never, we've never, we follow each other on Twitter, but we've never actually talked before. I DM'd him and I was like, man, that was great. Like I really enjoyed what you were saying. I, I, I really agreed with a lot of the points that you were making. And he responded immediately. He responded really thoughtfully with like, a, I think I sent him like one paragraph and he responded back with like two or three. Like a, he had a very thoughtful response. And I was sitting there like, all right, sweet. Like this guy that I have been following for a really long time that I really respect and look up to, he wants to have like a long-winded, insightful, thoughtful conversation with me about like the state of golf content. This is great. Like, let's fucking go. So I responded back with something even longer and I probably went a little overboard, but I was like, I was like, Oh, interesting. Like, this is what I would say to this. Like, this would be my counter to that. Like I responded back with like four or five paragraphs, right? Immediately reads it, never responds. I was like, I was like, I was like, oh, I, I really misread this situation. Like, Matt, like Matt having will be the first to tell you, he's got the attention span of an ant. Uh, <laughs> so that's probably what it was. I would try again. I mean, he's yeah, but yeah, Matt, uh, Matt's uh, really, uh, really good people. Uh, he always wants the best for everybody. Uh, like you said, he's not bigger than anybody. He'll give you the time of day, and he, he can have insightful conversations on a number of topics. So that's awesome. I, I thought it was funny because. I like on deeper inspection, I thought about it and I was like, oh, this is this is truly the last thing that he wants to be doing on a Wednesday afternoon right now is having like a very long winded conversation on the state of golf content when he just went on a rant about how he hates everyone <laughs> with this guy that he doesn't even know. Like I, I, I really misread that one, but you're, you're right. I know I, I, it, I thought it was really funny. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, Matt's great. So, yeah, I mean, Matt runs a, an, an ad agency, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm texting with him uh, most days, right? And uh, we'll go back and forth for an hour. And then exactly like that, he'll just go silent for like 20 hours. I just assume that he's working or doing something. But yeah, it totally happens. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, who knows? Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe he catches wind of this. But uh, as you mentioned, he doesn't listen to anything. So I, no. I think we're safe. But okay, man. Should we get into this uh, this tournament? What is it? The Worldwide Technology Championship we're just call at Mayakoba, Mayakoba, right? <laughs> it sounds like a Silicon Valley retreat. Like it, it sounds like Mexico's version of like TechCrunch. Well, it, it sounds like a, a Champions Tour event because they always have these weird <laughs> sponsors like this. I don't. Yeah. I guess it was the OHL, and then I, they've changed it a bunch mm-hmm. of times. You're right. We're going to refer to to it as Mayakoba for the purposes of this podcast. Let's but it. it's a full-field event. There's 132 players, I believe. There is a cut. Hovland won here last year at 20 under. Brendan Todd, Matt Kuchar, Pat Gazire, Pat Perez, Graham McDowell, Charlie Hoffman, Harris English. Really an eclectic uh, mm-hmm. group of, of past champions, champions, which I think – makes sense when you consider this course. It's at El Camelian Golf Club in, in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. It's a par 71 measuring 6,987 yards, pass palm throughout, a Greg Norman design. So next time we're here, it might be for the Saudi Masters. Um, I, I've, got a, I've got a couple of thoughts on the course, but I'll, I'll kick it to you first. What are you looking for this week? Yeah, I mean, standard kind of short, easy resort course. Um, I think probably going to count very well to what we saw last week, albeit, you know, an exceptionally better field uh, this week than we had last week. That list of winners you rattled off, I think the first thing that comes to mind is is not really good drivers of the golf ball. Uh, not that they're bad drivers of the golf ball, but like not guys who are going to gain most of their strokes off the tee. So uh, for me, it's, it's going to be iron play. It's going to be scrambling. And I think there are some very easy comp courses. Number one being the Sony open, a lot of crossover between the winners here and there. So that's pretty much where I'm starting. I like uh, I like what you said about about the driving accuracy because that's actually a thing that um, I've heard a lot already this week. Is that this is a course that's really really important for driving accuracy, and I, I don't disagree with that. I think that's true to a certain extent, but a lot of these guys, it's really hard to gauge statistically how accurate players are because. The driving accuracy statistics that most people tend to look at are when guys are hitting driver. So mm-hmm. when guys can hit three iron on this course and three wood on this course, which they can because it's a really short course, it kind of changes the game. So guys that are maybe super inaccurate with their driver doesn't mean there's a bad course for them because they, I mean, Pat and Kazire is a perfect example of that. But I, I agree with that. I, I'm kind of honing in a little bit more on on iron play more than more than I normally would. And the, the other the only other thing that I would add, and then we'll get into to the odds, but I, I think pass Palm, I think it kind of levels the playing field with putting mm-hmm. a little bit. That's not to say that elite putters are at a disadvantage. We've had plenty of awesome putters win here, but if you look at some of the leaderboards from some of these past Palm courses, even most recently at the PGA, a lot of not so great putters. And I, I think that's just because it's a slower, uh, mm-hmm. thicker grainless surface. And it doesn't, um, it doesn't tend to grow well on, on really undulating greens. And, and these greens are pretty flat. So I think there might be, it's just another excuse to maybe <laughs> buy in on some of those team no puck guys that I love. We'll get to Stanley soon. Uh, I was going to say, we'll get to Russell now. Yeah. (laughs) 
Okay, so let's uh let's do let's do the odds, man. I'm gonna give you guys yep. the favorites. All odds are courtesy of I think I did FanDuel this time, but you know, throw out whatever numbers you want. Yep. So so 30 and below, these are the guys. So we got Justin Thomas, 10 to 1, Hovland 14, Finau 22, Answer 27, Scheffler 27, Reed 27, Brooks 27, Hatton 29. Wise 29. Let's stop there and talk about those guys. Um, what the hell is Aaron Wise doing in that group is my first question. I know. I know. There's a couple, there's a couple mm-hmm. interest. There's a couple of interesting one. What you, you kick us off. Who, who are you kind of honing in on in this range? Yeah. I mean, so I think the best, so of that, because I have different odds, but answer at 27 would make a lot of sense. Uh, I don't have that number, so I'm, I'm not going to go there. But of those other guys, I mean, I think Finau uh, makes a lot of sense. Not necessarily a good course fit for him, but he's played well here. Obviously won the Puerto Rico Open. He, he can kind of play well everywhere, right? He drives it really well. He can club down. Uh, like you mentioned with the putting, I think a course like this will help him, and he's dramatically improved his putting. But honestly, what I'm waiting for is a, a small drift on on Justin Thomas, and if he can get to 14, I think that's where I'm going to go here. Okay, I'm glad you brought up Justin Thomas because I, no one's been taught. I've really considering betting him, and I, I was looking at the twelve to one. I just think we're due for like a JT just smash. Yeah, I mean, this is the time of the year that he he smashes, and you talk about past Palum, he won in uh, Korea twice. So right, exactly, exactly, and and I think you you like you're right, you're right. So eight of his fourteen, I tweeted this earlier today. But eight of his 14 PGA Tour wins have come between the months of October and January. All eight of them were outside the mainland U.S. as well. Yeah. So I, I think he's a guy that everyone's going to overlook him because his odds are too short. So they're just going to immediately rule him out. And maybe they are too short, but I think 90% of the people are going to bet answer at 20 to 1 or 23 to 1. And if you're yeah. asking me if I'd rather bet answer at 20, or JT at 12, I actually don't think it's close in my opinion. I agree. Yeah. I don't think that's a good number for answer. Like the 27 was okay, but I feel a lot better with him kind of mid thirties. So yeah, if, if there's anybody uh, that I'm betting down here, uh, by under 40 or 35, it's certainly going to be Justin Thomas. Can I, can I run by a, a crazy Brooks thought with you first? Cause I, it's like, <laughs> sure. I've fallen into this like very, uh, unprofitable habit where I just keep staring at Brooks at, at all these non-majors when he's above 25 to one. And I just continue to think that once those odds start drifting up with him again, he's going to like win one of these bullshit tournaments. Am I, am I crazy for continuing to like give him this hard look? Because for me, if I didn't go JT, I think the guy I'd want to bet is Brooks, especially if it gets to 30. Yeah, I guess my concern with Brooks is, is you know, what is he doing this time of year? Uh, just doesn't seem like a guy who's going to grind it out this time of year in terms of priorities and practices and things like that. But I also just don't think it's a great course fit. You know, he tends to excel on on the harder tracks. And um, I don't know if Brooks is the guy who's going to come out here and make 28 or 30 birdies. What do you think the over-under is on uh, Jenna's Instagrams this week? It's got to be like nine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were just in Vegas. They've been all over the place. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, he's probably going to make the cut. He'll probably be fine. He'll probably score quite a bit, but I don't see him winning this week. Okay. 
That I, I need to hear that sometimes. Me and my buddy Luke go like as soon as the odds come out, we're always like, how can we justify betting Brooks this week? But I, I think I, I have been in the uh the camp of him not caring about majors or sorry, only caring about majors. I I think it's like a little bit of a act that he puts on. Oh, totally. That, that take for me hasn't been aging that great. And this is like probably the most obvious Brooks doesn't care week because he's in one of the most beautiful places in the world. So I I probably need to put a little bit more credence into that. I just think like, I was getting in. I was talking. I was talking with a couple of people about that. I don't mean to shit on answer, but like, Bro- I just think Brooks is in like a different class, and and I get it. Context matters in golf tournaments, and <clears throat> I just I just think that when I see them priced next to each other, like Answer has one major top ten in his entire career, one, and yep. I I don't even I don't I don't know if they're in the same same class, and I think because that dude he falls into this really weird Memphis win where Harris gives it away and Brooks gives it away and Cam Smith kind of vomits all over himself too. Now it's just a green light for all the people that were betting answer at 20 to one before he won. Now it's just like, ah, you can't call me a square for betting Abe answer at 20 to one anymore. He's got his win. He's got pedigree. Now it's like, no, I'm never going to choose him at a shorter number than Brooks. I just think they're in a different class, but that's just me. Yeah, I agree. And I think the other thing that I'll say here about the top of the board is I think it's a great week for a live ad after round one. Uh, okay. Because you get these short, easy resort courses. Like if Tyler Duncan goes out there and shoots a 62, right? And he posts a number and, and these guys are now eight shots back. I mean, you're going to see their odds double. So if, you know, if you want to get Brooks, maybe wait around and get him at 45 or 50. You want to talk about any of these other guys like Wise or Hatton, Scheffler, Reed, any, any interest in any, any of these guys, maybe not outright wise, but are, are you playing any of yes. those guys? Yes. I am likely betting Patrick Reed. I haven't decided yet, but again, uh, he was really good last week. He putted really well. And when you get a course like this, it's windy and you got to scramble and you got to make a lot of birdies. I'd rather, uh, play the guy who I just saw make 25 birdies for DraftKings. I think Scotty Scheffler is going to go very, very under own. And I have a lot of interest in that. Yeah, me too. Me too with Scheffler as well. I think, I also think with Aaron Wise, I obviously, I think we're priced out of Aaron Wise, right? I think there's like a DFS galaxy brain situation where like the narrative becomes that wise is so overpriced. Maybe this happens with Billy Horschel too. I don't know, but the narrative, yeah, I think, but Horschel just won. That's the only thing, but again, that's yeah, true. if, if, if he's low owned or Sheffer's low owned, I'm just going to play the guy who has the lowest ownership there. Okay. Me too. Because I was looking at the wise thing and I was like, all right, yeah, I get these odds are ridiculous, but mm-hmm. I mean, he's like a near perfect fit for this course on paper. Last time he was actually on pass Palm at the PGA mm-hmm. he gained 3.5 strokes putting and he's, he's coming off a fifth at the CJ cup in a really good field. So that's a second start in a row where he's gained strokes in all four major categories. And it, it just kind of seems like he's, he's found something with the putter. So I, I would, yeah, it, it's kind of ownership dependent with me on wise, but I would actually pay that price if no one else is going to him. I don't think anyone else is going to <laughs> That's the thing. It gets like it, 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 and we'll kind of use this to transition into some of these other guys. Like it gets, 
it, it starts into this thing with Wise, and I think Gooch is another good example of this, where Gooch mm-hmm. is priced a lot higher than he normally is, both in in betting and yeah. and in DraftKings, where if if the narrative people start tweeting like, oh my God, Aaron Wise, like 29 to one, stuff like that. It's like, listen, like the odds makers, they're generally smarter than us in general. Like if, mm-hmm. if, if no one's playing wise, like I'll, I'll play him. And, and I think, I think some of these other guys too, like I was looking at, we'll just start. I, anyone else before we get into like the mid tier that we didn't mention that you want to touch on? No, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think Gooch and wise are the two just, and I'm, I never play them anyways. Uh, I'm certainly not going to pay them at this price. If they burn me, they burn me. Um, I will say both are, are extremely high in my model. Uh, Gooch is a little bit higher. So I guess if I had to pick one, it would certainly be Gooch over Wise. What about sneaking into this range of, of Billy Horschel and Tringali and Shane Lowry and Fitzpatrick and, and Zalatoris, Norin, Matt Wolf, Sergio Garcia, Rose, Bezadenhout, Fowler, those are uh, uh, Neiman as well. Those are kind of all the guys 50 and below. Are you going, so you're, you're, you're thinking about JT, you're thinking about Reed. Are you kind of hitting this section too a little bit? I will probably hit, hit one here and one in the hundreds. Uh, and I'm very torn here because my first lean was just keep betting Mito, right? At 50 or 60, whatever he is. And I'll, I'll probably end up doing that. But the other guy who I really, really like here and I don't know what the ownership's going to be like. Is Russell Henley? Yeah, it's uh, going to be I high. Like My buddy John, who's the yeah, because he, yeah. you know, PGA Tout on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, I tell him every. We have like a group chat, and and his his spotlight guys. He he wrote he did the. I don't know if you read his his preview article, but he like picks one player every week, and. Fun. Those got he like to to spotlight right to yeah. say like I think this guy's gonna be really good, and he like again it's an echo chamber, but like so like I, I really don't know how much this like actually affects ownership, but it it, it now there's a few people who do and 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 it depends you know who retweets what uh, it's the same for Euro like there aren't many Euro resources out there when Ben Coley tweets his picks, the odds crash like yeah that's one guy in one website and it absolutely happens so. Okay. Well, shout out John in my little Twitter echo chamber. His uh, his spotlight guy. Everyone seems to seems to jump on that guy. And Henley Henley is is the guy he was looking at. But but I I cut you off. Tell tell me more about why you like him. Well, yeah. I mean, one I think his his form is a little bit underrated. A back to back top twenty five to start the season. Plays these sorts of short windy courses really well. Obviously, can scramble well. Used to be a great putter. I don't know what's happened, but maybe he he got that back and. If you're looking at at guys who have had success at the Sony Open, you know, uh, look no further than Russell Henley. Yeah. So, and I mean, the only thing that I would add to that is he just gained almost seven strokes ball striking in a really good field at the CJ Cup. The irons are just, I mean, even for him, they're really kind of firing right now. And I think he's gained, yeah, he's gained over 5.2 on approach in four of his last six starts. I think my only concern would be that since the kind of debacle at, at the Wyndham where he kind of really lost his putter in that final round and, and yeah. gave that one away a little bit, he's gone minus 6.1, minus 2.5, minus 1.3, minus 5.1. But again, past Palm, I think you could argue that's a pretty good get right spot. Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, so maybe that is the guy who I end up betting if he, if he is going to be chalky and just, you know, I'll get my exposure that way. But 
I certainly want some Russell Hammond this week. Okay, so I want to touch on Mito too because he he rated out number one for me as well. And I think because he's long, I mean, people are still still gonna you know do their thing with him, but yeah. I think because he's long off the tee, that might kind of coincide with people thinking he's a better fit on longer courses. But he is so accurate too by all my mm-hmm. metrics. Like he's he's almost like Hovland in that sense, where I think he still has a pretty big advantage on this course and. Again, I think if you're going to take a chance on some really bad putters, I think past Palm is a decent surface to test out that hypothesis. I'll say this about Mito as well. Fantastic results in South America. These all came yep. last year on the Corn Ferry Tour, but and I don't even really follow the Corn Ferry Tour, but fourth at the Mexico Championship, third at the Panama Championship, first at CC de Bogota. So he's never, he's never finished worse than fourth in South America in yep. the last year and a half. Yeah. And I mean, he seems to play well everywhere. And I think, again, you know, when you have a guy from the corner Ferry tour who gets that battlefield promotion, right. That is a prolific winner. Uh, and yes, there's a skill jump from corn Ferry tour up to PGA tour, but if you win three times, you're going to win up here. Right. We saw it with Wesley Bryan, who again is not a great player, but he won fairly quickly after he got promoted. Uh, Grio, when he was number one on the Corn Ferry Tour, he came out and he won right away. We saw it with Sun JM. He's been great. Pat and Kazire dominated the Corn Ferry Tour. He came out and won a couple of times. Like, I expect Mito to win a couple of times and probably a couple of times this year. What do you think about Neiman? I just think he's going to be massive chalk. I'm not going to bet him and I'm probably not going to play him just because of where the ownership's going to lie. Now, you're going to get Justin Rose at a third of the ownership, I would imagine. Yeah. Or at least half the ownership you might get a power at half the ownership. So I'll probably just pivot there. Yeah. I actually really like Seamus power on this court. Like, yeah, I actually like, I actually think Seamus power might be really good. Yeah. I, like, like all this stuff with Mito, if you actually look at the numbers and the results, I'm kind of surprised that power hasn't become the guy. Like the darling that everyone is, you know, it, like yeah. I, I, he, I think he's better. I'll tell you why, because power's been out here longer, right? And people yeah. got accustomed to him being at a lower level and they really haven't caught up yet. Uh, Mito, like I could see Mito kind of becoming like what Xander became, right? Like when Xander <laughs> came out, nobody knew about him. He was like mid seven, maybe get up to 8K, had some good finishes and then pff, he took off. Uh, and same with him. Like, I think that's where Mito's going. Do you think Mito would be as popular as he is if his name was Scott Brown? <laughs> What's Mito's uh, real name? I should know this, but I don't. Have it's it it's it's Guillermo. Guillermo, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If yes, no. If he went by Guillermo, he would not be quite as chalky. No. Yeah. Well, it's not even like Seamus has a bad name either. But I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I like Seamus because I think what what sets him apart from some of these other ball strikers is that Seamus can actually like really chip and putt. Um, so and and yeah. again, like the other thing here is. Him and Mito have the same odds last week at Bermuda. Mm-hmm. Seamus is way better, but now he has worse odds here. He's played the course Mito hasn't. So that's mm-hmm. where it's like, ah, maybe Seamus is the play. Yeah, and and all these guys here, I mean, I love this range. Like, they're all good win players. Like, you look at Power, yeah. and you look at Mito, and you look at Neiman, you look at Hoffman, you look at Ortiz. Like, these guys are all really good win players. What about Fowler? Uh, I mean, not going to get there with an outright. Uh, may have some exposure, obviously played well here. Probably, well, he should have won here, but he lost Pat Desire. He seems like he's, he's close to being back. So yeah, sure. Why not? 
Yeah, I was actually, I'm kind of, I don't know if I'm going to get there, there outright wise either, but I think I'd rather bet both Sheamus and Mito over Fowler. But I actually yeah. think, I actually think that I'm kind of buying the resurgence a little bit because if you, if you look at the CJ cup, it was all ball striking, right? And you remember what Spieth did at Phoenix last year where he kind of came out of nowhere um, and it was like so, number one in approach. Yeah, exactly, yeah. man. So like yeah. that, that it kind of reminds me of that where it's like you, you dig into the numbers with Spieth when he did that. And it's like, Oh wait, Spieth finished second this week because he gained six strokes on approach, not six strokes putting. And then what do you know? He contends the next week at Pebble beach and yep. goes on to have this awesome summer. I'm not saying Ricky is as good as Spieth, um, but I do think he is going to have a good year. I, I don't think mm-hmm. that the pop-up at the CJ Cup was smoke and mirrors situation the way that he kind of finished top 10 randomly at the PGA Championship. Past Palm, by the way. Um, yeah. But if you if you dig into the numbers with with Ricky, he, he is starting to clean things up a little bit. So I think you can play him here and feel okay about it. Yeah, both of them are going to be dads soon too. So uh, that's true. That'll throw a wrench in the season. But yep. yeah, I we'll think get Fowler's to a good low own play this week. But uh, I'm not going to get there for an outright. Okay, let's um, let's move right along. Oh, there's one more guy in this uh, in this kind of range that I'm going to bet. Um, I I've been driving the the Gary Woodlands resurgence bandwagon forever. And I'm finally starting to see a little payoff from that. He just finished ninth at the CJ Cup where he gained five strokes off the tee. I still think the perception around him, like I, I he doesn't seem like a guy that people trust, but I, I like this course a lot for him. He's already finished second here and actually has a really good resume on kind of these short club down positional golf courses. Like he's won the Valspar before he finished second twice at the, whatever the Simb classic is. I don't, it's some tournament that's on past Palm that on the fall or whatever, but he was, he was Woodland was actually the first bet I made this week at 66 to one. I'll make this very easy for you. Gary Woodland is probably the best DraftKings play on the board. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I can get behind him with an outright, but like, yeah, he's going to tie for eighth or something this week. Like that's the sort of week he's going to have. I agree. I think there's certainly been a ball striking resurgence. I have no idea what happened to him, but he lost it for like nine months. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a great course for him. He, uh, like you said, he's historically played well on these club down courses. He's played this course quite a bit. I think at least a handful of times has a runner up finish, albeit, you know, eight or seven years ago, whatever that was. I absolutely love Gary Wooden this week. So yeah, fully on board. All right, I'm going to open it up to kind of all these guys going up to 100. Anyone in this, I'm not going to list all of them, but anyone kind of in this in this 50 to 100 range that that has your attention? Yeah, you mentioned I mean, Knox. Yeah, there's three uh, for me, and I haven't decided which way I'm going to go, but uh, Knox would be one, Varner would be two, Joel Damon would be three. Wow. Um, at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to lean um, – uh, Damon, just because his odds are the biggest, he's like 110, I think. Yeah. Um, but in a vacuum, I think Russell Knox is is probably the best play of those three. A combination of of fit, of course, history here, and he played pretty well last week. Yeah. So that that thing that that people have for for answer had for answer for a while before he won. I'm so 
guilty of it with with Varner. I, I yeah. think that, and it has nothing to do with the fact that he just had a baby. But I just think this is a I think this is a perfect spot for him, and I think there's so many slightly more obvious options in this range, like Knox because of the course history, like Carlos Ortiz, like Grio and Hanley. And and I I actually think it's going to be one of those weeks where Varner doesn't pick up a lot of steam, but he finished fifth year in 2015, sixth in 2019. I love this course for him. He makes a lot of birdies. He yep. keeps the ball in play off the tee, pounds greens, and he just gained 6.4 strokes ball striking at the at the CJ Cup. So if you actually look at it with Varner, this is like quietly the best stretch of golf of his entire career. He's done 11th, 12th, 16th, 11th, 32nd in his last five starts, and three of them actually came in really elite fields. So I think I think I'm kind of in DraftKings even ninety yeah, to DraftKings one for like sure. yeah. yeah DraftKings for sure and even ninety to one like I, I don't know yeah he's uh, number six overall I, I haven't tweaked my model completely but just kind of the rough draft he's number six and I know it's not uh, a super broken model because it does have JT number one <laughs> um, uh, but yeah and I think Varner's a great candidate like I don't do first round leaders but yeah me neither kind of guy you want to bet for first round leader this week yeah. Touching on Knox too, I really like Knox too. I think Knox is like, what do you think? Knox was twenty five percent last week, and he finished twelfth. So that's my concern with Russell Knox, and he's been better on this course than Bermuda. Uh, yeah, I think I think he's certainly going to be popular, but I think there's enough options here. Like even Gary Woodland, like if you're yeah. talking about him, others are going to talk about him. Uh, Varner will obviously be popular. Guys like Poulter and Grio always pick up some ownership. Uh, Neiman's going to be chalky. So I think it'll be fairly spread out down here. I think you're giving me way too much credit. I have, <laughs> but yeah, I when mean, you guys I know, tweet a lot, you and John. Yeah. And yeah. Like, I have like, chamber, you know, yeah. it's out. Mayo oh, for sure. You or Feinberg will chime in or Joe will chime in. And then it's, you know, it's out. I have my like loyal following of, yeah. of people that will, that will, that care about my opinion, but yeah, I think, but I've been banging the woodland drum for a while, and people are like, "You're fucking crazy." I no, do the same. The week. Th- yeah, I week. do the same thing with Brooks too, and people are like, "You're out of your mind." Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's some other guys that you kind of mentioned here that I like. I, I think for all of the reasons that we talked about, you could play Keegan. I, I think it's a fine spot for him, and then I'll say this with Ortiz too. I, I think Ortiz will be very popular this week, but I think he makes a lot of sense. I think my one concern with him, I bet him at the Zozo. He had a pretty good start to that tournament and then withdrew after two rounds. Anytime someone withdraws from a tournament with guaranteed money and is like sitting in 25th place after two rounds, um, Zozo had a sneaky big purse too. Um, So he's, he's walking away with a pretty good amount of money that that would kind of be my only red flag with him. I agree. Uh, and I think, again, he's he, he's going to garner a little bit of ownership, had had pretty good ball striking out in Vegas and was popular at the Zozo. Obviously, he's from Mexico, played well here, almost won last time. So I think he'll still be popular. But again, plenty of options down here. So not overly worried. You know what I was looking at a little bit? Do you think people are going to play Kuchar? No. Are I think gonna, people are play Stimson gonna... before Kuchar. Uh, really? What do you, are you going to play Kuchar? No. Okay. I haven't played Kuchar in four years. Uh, no, not going to play. I like, I would consider Kuchar like if he showed a glimpse of form and we were going to Harbor town or something. He, he had like his best approach week at the Shriners in months. 
Yeah, I don't know. Like he'll probably finish 40th. Just doesn't do it for me. Fair. There's <laughs> <laughs> plenty of good options down here. I can't, so. I can't argue with that. Okay. All right. So you talked about Damon. I, I Damon, I love. Um, he's probably my favorite top 40 play of the week. He's had yeah. 23rd, 41st, 6th, 20th, keeps the ball in play off the tee. Excellent wedge player, makes a ton of birdies. He's coming off 24th at the Shriners where he gained 6.3 ball striking. So that's his best ball striking performance in over a year. Won the Corrales on past Pollum. I don't know if he can win in this field, but I think he is a very... He's got this beef going with Homa and he wants to get the win back, so... Yeah, I think, yeah, I like Domin a lot. Um, yeah. Okay, what, anyone else before we dig into some of the, the grimier guys? No, no, there's definitely some lower guys, but I think that's it for that kind of mid-tier. Okay, so I'm looking at all the guys 100 plus too, and we already, we already touched yeah. on, on Damon, who you, you can find at some places as high as, as 100, and I'm seeing 110 um, mm-hmm. on Damon, which, which I might be in for. Um, the other guy that I want to mention that's kind of in this in this Damon zone, I'm a huge fan of of Henrik Norlander this week. I think you can you can get him as high as 125, but he just he rates out really well for me. His irons have been awesome. He makes mm-hmm. he makes a ton of birdies, and he's he's one of the most accurate drivers that you'll find. He's coming off that uh, 18th at the Zozo where he was like seven under through his first nine holes on Sunday. Yeah. Um, and, and I just, I think he has a lot of top five upside. Like he may miss the cut, but he's already finished fourth this year at Sanderson, six earlier at Barbasol. He's finished second and fifth before at, at uh, Sea Island. We mm-hmm. love that comp. And I think he's the type of guy that can pop up even in a good field because of the upside that he possesses with his irons. Like he, he finished second at Torrey in a yep. better field than that. So love Norlander this week. I can get behind it. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little hesitant when I see a guy who had a really low Sunday, but again, he's been yeah. uh, pretty good. I mean, these first handful of events and uh, I'm a big Norlander guy and kind of play him. And he definitely is a guy who I'll focus on, on these short kind of windy, easy coastal courses. Couple of guys. Like I think people are going to go to Adam Wong because he is a third and a second here. I think Pat Perez, obviously because he, Yep. You know, there's the coastal resort course thing. Who, who else as we dig a little bit, a little bit deeper? I've got two guys. The only other two guys that I would mention are both 270 to one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some options down here. So one who's just outside of that Joel Damon range, I think in most places, I'm a sucker for Chris Kirk. Yeah, sure. And like, if you're going to make comps with Sony and with RSM and with Sea Island, and he's played well here also. Again, probably not a guy who can win, but a very sneaky top 10, top 20 guy who can really fill it up. So yeah, I think he's my favorite in terms of these guys for uh, for a top 20 or for DraftKings. Okay, so the guy that at is the first guy that is 270 to one that I think is, I think he's the most mispriced player on the board is... And when I say mispriced, we're talking about a difference between a guy is 270 to one, I think should be a hundred to one. I already but, know where you're going with this. Do you want to guess? Well, I don't play this guy, but everybody has been uh, riding the Hudson Swafford bandwagon for a while. So I assume that's where you're going. Yeah, that's where I'm going, but I'm not one of those guys. Like I wasn't. <laughs> People have been playing him for like a month. Yeah, I wasn't one of those guys. I'm not. I, I, yeah. would, I think the shines wore off him a little bit because right. he he had that the playoff thing 
Yeah. Everyone was, was going crazy for him in the playoffs. And then he's been kind of, he's been fine since then. But so the reason I actually like him, he's really accurate off the tee and he pounds a ton of greens. I think ball striking wise, like pedigree, ball striking pedigree and chops, I think he is better than a lot of people that you will find. And the thing that I like about him also is he gained 5.4 at the CJ Cup in a really good field. And I think that, you know, Corrales, he's one on past Palm, um, also finished sixth there last year. And he's yeah. got three top tens at the Sony Open as well. So I like, I like yeah. Swafford a lot. I think he... <laughs> You're probably right. I, I probably underrated how sneaky of a play he is. Yeah, well, yeah. I think the shine has worn off a little bit, but I, I, yeah, I still think he'll be owned a little bit. Um, he's played here a handful of times. No top forties, but he's made five of six cuts. It looks like. I'm hoping there's, that is what. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple other guys, uh, and again, like you have to look at like when guys are this bad. I look at a very short sample size kind of what they did last week or a couple weeks ago and how they've done here or on courses that I like. I think you have to look at Brian Gay again. After last week, he got there late. He defended his title, finished 12th, skewed a little bit because he held out for Eagle on the very last hole, uh, <laughs> but 12th nonetheless. Uh, and obviously has has played very well here historically and he fits what we're looking for. I don't know if he's won Sony. I feel like he has. And the other guy who I like quite a bit, uh, win player, hit a top 15 last week is Tyler Duncan. Again, what's the upside? I don't know, but if you're looking for a top 40 for a guy who's 6,400, I think Tyler Duncan is uh, one of my guys this week. I like Duncan too. I was just pulling, by the way, Gay hasn't won the Sony, but he's, he's been really good there. The, so the, uh, yeah, now that we're kind of in this territory, I just look at the Kyle Stanley numbers every week. <laughs> Me too. And do it. Yeah. so I just refuse. I, there's got to be like a dumb luck week where mm-hmm. the pots fall. And it's crazy because he's hit. Like we talk about, um, we talk about the gap that Morikawa has created as the best iron player in the world. Yeah. The gap that Stanley has created as the worst putter is actually like almost more impressive to me. Yeah, it's it's historically bad, and it's unfortunate because the ball striking is historically good. I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's weeks gaining ten strokes, nine strokes, <laughs> missing the cut. Yeah, no, it's incredible. I'm I'm a sucker for Kyle Stanley, so I will probably play some. <laughs> but yeah, so on the opposite end of the spectrum, down in this range, how is this not a perfect setup for Denny McCarthy? Well, that three or four cuts here. He's he was okay last week. He's played pretty well to start the year, but just seems like, of course, where Denny's going to be there. Well, I think the thing with with Denny, the reason why he didn't jump out to me initially, and I think this is like the major question that you kind of have to grapple with all week. And kind of if you think about it from like a game theory perspective, maybe you want to fade the narrative. But I think it's the past palm thing where it's mm-hmm. like is Denny's greatest advantage really going to be on a pass palm course with super slow greens? That could be wrong. Like, I don't think I've ever played. I play a lot of golf. I, I don't yeah. know if I've played pass palm before. I can't like, that's more of a it's, theory it's and some stuff like I've Bermuda, read. Though. Like it's, it's a little bit slower. It's pretty much like Bermuda. It's, it's slow. It's grainy. It's flat. There's a lot of wind. Um, I think guys who put well on, 
on the Bermuda greens in the Southeast, I think they're fine on, on past Palom as well. Yeah. And I mean, I think it, like <clears throat> if you, if you think about, if you think about slow greens, it's, mm-hmm. it's like bad putters, but then at this, and even the guys who've won here kind of reflects this too. It's like, it's either really <clears throat> bad putters or like really good putters. And Denny yeah. obviously fits that mold. Yeah, no, for sure. I agree with that. Um, but yeah, he's going to pop one of these weeks, so I'll probably keep riding it. And it's a pretty cheap price tag here. <clears throat> I don't know if there's any... I, I think Stanley is... <laughs> yeah, Stanley's probably the guy I'm going to use the most down here. Anyone else before we kind of go over... Uh, yeah, I mean, for guys who are playing DraftKings, I, I think there's... I mean, there's a lot of ways you can go. Like, we play a lot of Sepp Straka in the mid sevens and now he's 6,100. Uh, Mullinax is down here. He's made a couple cuts, played well on the corn Ferry tour finals. Like, I mean, if you're a guy making 150 lineups, there are certainly guys down here. If you want to do a stack of like Hovland plus JT, cause it's viable this week. Yeah. You know what? <clears throat> I, I, uh, I played golf today, so I don't really like look at the, the, the pricing, um, until I'm like really actually like looking at it now. There's a lot of guys I like down here. I was right. I was I was super high on on Camillo last week. I don't think that he was fine. Like he he finished like 30th. I think if for all of the reasons that I liked Camillo I yeah. last week, I think you can like him this week. Lebiota has like he's missed like five <clears throat> cuts in a row, but for some reason is still statistically this this that still say he's like awesome, which I, I don't I don't really understand. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I get, yeah, those, yeah. I mean, you can, like, you can make a case for some of these other guys, but whatever. it's, it's certainly doable. And I don't like to give away lineups, but you should enter one uh, for us. You know, you plug in Stanley and Swafford, right? <laughs> uh, you plug in JT and Hovland, and then you have enough for Woodland and Power. Like, why not? Like, that's a team. That's, and I think that's how my builds are going to go this week where, I mean, every team I make is going to have a couple guys over 9,500. Yeah. Most of them are going to start with JT and then it's and either going to yeah, be Yeah, both of us are playing or, JT. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think, you, go ahead. Yeah, and then you just take your pick of the guys down low. Like, <laughs> I might do Kirk and Straka or something. You can do Swafford and Stanley. There's a lot of ways you can go. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's funny, man. I think anytime... I do one of those with, with Mayo where it's like, let's make a lineup together. They just completely fall flat on their face. Yeah. Well, it's hard. I I mean, like you just have to make a decision in terms of contest selection, like what you're doing with chalk. Like I think this week, I mean, one, the obvious is, you know, what do you do with JT, right? If you're going to play JT, I don't think he's going to be overly popular, like maybe 18% or 16%, something like that. But then there's that chalk, you know, you look at guys like Mito and Neiman and Varner, like you just gotta, yeah, you just gotta navigate that area. Well, the the thing with, with JT, like regarding DraftKings too, is I, I think people like to play the guys that they bet. And I don't think anyone's going to bet JT. And I think the one yeah. exception to that rule is Xander because Xander's so consistent. So even if people don't want to bet Xander at his odds, yeah. they'll still play Xander. But JT can get a little shaky sometimes so i agree i'm with you i agree 100 percent. i'm glad xander's not here i i can't get that guy right but i just i mean by default i just don't play him like he's not a guy i bet uh he's not a guy that i can uh play for 
10, six or 11 K, whatever he is nowadays. Cause like you said, he's just not going to win very often. I I've made some, I've made some bad bets in my life. I think betting him at seven to one to win the Zozo. I can't think of a worse bet I've made like in the last calendar year. I bet the, I bet, uh, I bet the lines this week, but I mean, that's very, yeah, I lost. Yeah. They lost by 40 or something. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't, can't bet on, I can't bet on football. It, it's impossible. Um, I took the Chiefs minus 10 and they're up by four on the Giants um, right now. So anyway, that dates us a little bit. It's Monday night. Anyone else that we haven't touched on? We'll do a quick uh, recap at the end, kind of given, given our guys. But anyone else you wanted to, to touch on that we, that we haven't? Anyone else you think we shortchanged? <clears throat> no, I mean, I do think, you know, in those ranges that uh, we mentioned, there are some good pivots, right? Like if you think... Uh, like Henley and Mito and Neiman are, are going to be chalk. Like he can play beside who he's, he's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned Scotty Scheffler up top. I think he's going to be a great pivot. Let me just look through here. I think Zalatoris is going to be very low owned for like the first time ever. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, people are just stale of him right now. Uh, he's still playing fine. So I think that'd be a good GPP option as well. Yeah. And I think with Zalatoris, I think, uh, a lot of people think of him on longer courses because he's he's a really good long arm player. With wedges, he's he's not as good. So I agree with you on on Zalatoris. I think, yeah, it's it's Bazaden how too. Like he he was fine. He was fine last week, and and obviously it's a it's a much different field. But I think those guys like Bazaden Howd and I don't know if I can get there with with Rose. But I don't think anyone's gonna go there. No. Uh, what about Lucas Herbert? We didn't even mention him. Yeah, I was talking to to my buddy Luke today, and he was like, "I'm going right. Why is Herbert like seventy five to one in this field? Like, I, I'm going right back to Herbert. Like, he won. Yeah. He won some tournament in in uh, in the European Tour, and then I think the yep. next week he contended and finished like third or fourth. Yeah, and again, perfect course for him. He plays really well in the win, obviously. Uh, been in good form. He's very inconsistent, so you just never know, but um, obviously has has winning upside. So, All right. Well, I think that covers it um, on my end. I'll, keep, I'll run through the guys that I am <clears throat> leaning towards. The only, I've literally only made one bet. It's Gary Woodland at 66 to 1, but I think this is what I'm going to do. I think you've successfully uh, talked me out of the Brooks ledge. I think what I'm going to do is I think I'm either going to bet JT – and then go like Woodland and Mito and mm-hmm. like Dahman or Norlander and call it a day. Or I'm going to pass on JT and do like this giant hodgepodge of like 60 guys of like Neiman and Mito and Henley and Woodland and Varner yep. and, and just bet all of those guys. Yeah, so I'm all for first round leaders and top 20s and top 10s. and Yeah, yeah. So I think, I think that's for me. What about you? Um, so as we were sitting here, I, I did bet Joel Damon. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, Joel Damon for me, Mito for me, and then probably going to bet JT and Reed. At least one of them, probably both. Ryan Baroff, everyone. Do you have anything to, do you have anything to plug right now? No, Matt doesn't want to record. I, no, kidding. <laughs> we'll be back. Uh, always on Twitter, DMs are open, excited to, uh, have a short off season, whatever we have, but yeah, it should be a great week and, uh, looking forward to getting back to the majors in, in the spring. That's when golf is actually fun.
Thank you so much, my friend, for joining me. Um, when you talk to Wiley, let him know if he's ever looking for a, a partner in a long-winded conversation about the state of golf content and the oversaturation of DFS content in the industry. Tell him my DMs are open, but this was very fun, man. I look forward to doing it again sometime soon, my friend. Yeah, sounds good, Andy. Thanks, buddy. All right, that is it for the show. Special thanks one more time to Ryan Baroff. And we'll be back next week breaking down the Houston Open. Cheers. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.